Hi, Explorers. Thanks for listening to Kids Who Explore Parent Edition. Come along with us as we cover all corners of raising kids in the outdoors. Hi, I'm Adriana Scori. I'm a hiking mom in the Canadian Rockies, Mama to Turner, and CEO of Kids Who Explore. I'm Lauren Rodick Eberly. I'm mom to Collins. We love being outside and exploring between our two homes in Seattle, Washington, and Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Today's podcast is sponsored by Kids Who Explore's Patch for a Purpose. Every time we see our patch out in the world, we feel the love and support behind it. Our patches can be sewn onto backpacks, jackets, bags, or even baby carriers, to name a few. Or they can be carried in your packs as special adventure items for all your little explorers. Our patch comes in eight different colors, and a dollar from each patch goes to a, you guessed it, purpose. Your support can make a difference for all of the following charity groups, depending on which color patch you want to represent. Alberta Parks, Children's Disability, BIPOC and Anti-Racism, Sick Children, The Earth, Children's Wellbeing, Anti-Bullying, and Children's Mental Health. Check out the hashtag Patch for a Purpose to see our patch and the community behind it. That's hashtag Patch, the number four, a purpose. To get your patch today, visit www.kidswhoexplore.ca. We thank you in advance for the difference you are making. Margaret Bradford is mama to two daughters, four-year-old Farah and 18-month-old Eleanor, based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, along with her spouse, Dustin, and their dog, Jagger. They love everything from camping to road tripping to international travel. Like many moms, Margaret was concerned before having kids that she would lose a part of her identity, one being travel. But today she's traveled to Thailand, Malaysia, United Arab Emirates, Oman, and even took a nine-week road trip in a 20-foot trailer through Western Canada, all with kids in tow. They've seen their fair share of trains, planes, and automobiles. Instead of losing her identity, she's made travel a part of their entire family's identity. Hi, Margaret. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Thanks for having me. Can you tell us a little bit more about traveling and like what traveling looks like with kids? I believe you and your husband have explored over 10 countries on three continents together. Yeah. I mean, before we had kids, we were, we were international travelers. We danced in like the Samba parade in Rio for Carnival and Dustin has done the Machu Picchu hike in Peru. I've got family in Poland. So we had like a second wedding sort of in Poland. So we got to do, you know, a honeymoon in Croatia. And so traveling was really a big part of our lives from the, from the start of our relationship. So when we welcomed her into our life, we were like, wow, I have this time off. Like we got to go somewhere, but it's um, those first few weeks as you're trying to figure out mom life and balance, and you really have no idea how it's going to work out. So yeah, we just took the bit, the bullet. And that I think Farah was nine months old at the time we flew to Malaysia and it was like surprisingly a very simple, easy flight compared to some of the recent ones we have, we've had assess, especially with that two now. But, you know, it's almost this like uh, a bell curve of like how things get a little bit harder at certain ages and then easier. It kind of comes in waves. But yeah, now Farah has been to Malaysia, Thailand, the Emirates, um, Oman, and Eleanor has done the Emirates. And then, yeah, last summer we were on the road for nine weeks straight. We uh, 
rented our house out and just started driving and didn't have much of a plan, but it, it worked out and we came out the other side pretty um, much closer as a family, which was uh, kind of unexpected. I can imagine the bonding actually of, of traveling and flying together. Um, it would make you very close knit actually <laughs> flying with kids and babies. Um, like how long was your flight to Malaysia? And like, what about some of your other locations there? Like what was maybe the longest or do you also do like stopovers and that kind of thing to make it easier? I mean, like there's, you know, we're Edmonton, so there's not a ton of like direct flights anywhere we want to go to these days. But um, so Malaysia was, we had a layover in Vancouver and Taipei. So, and both those layovers were fairly, you know, three, four hours is a really good time to run around, stretch your legs. But yeah, I think the longest flight was um, 15 hours to get there. So, but you know, we had that one, we have one kid and she, Amphara was, uh, she, she was nine months old. We had like the bassinet seat. So they installed the bassinet. It was pre-COVID. It was like, it was compared to some of the recent travel experiences, it was so easy. And like, she slept great and you were allowed to walk around the plane. So it was... Um, you know, it's, it's like a different experience from even pre-COVID to, to now. I'm glad that that's your first experience and that that yeah. got you hooked on traveling. Because yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> sounds like an amazing time, a bassinet mm-hmm. and everything. Luxury. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So you're very much still traveling with kids. Um, has anything changed with that? Like, are you doing shorter durations or still pretty similar? Like, are your trips planned that are kind of across the world still? Or how does that look? You know, I would say the biggest thing that's changed is that where we would sometimes occasionally entertain the idea of like a hotel, almost entirely now we're looking at Airbnbs and something that really allows us to have a kitchen because uh, you, I'm sure you both know, like eating out for every meal with a kid is one of my worst nightmares because you, <laughs> it's just, it's just so like, it's, I have two kids that love to run around and when they're camping, they're in their element, they can take their, you know, cheese stick and go for a walk around the trailer. Like, it's just, so it's such an easier more relaxed experience for mom and dad. So yeah, we, uh, we definitely, and it's expensive to eat out all the time. So if you, if you want to do the travel thing, like it's, that's the biggest change. Absolutely. I was laughing. You shared on Instagram how your kids can sleep anywhere except in beds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I know you're somewhat joking, but Adrian and I actually have very similar experiences with our firstborns because they've just been so used to napping on the go, whether it's on us or in their hiking carriers yeah. or strollers or cars or any of the places, just like all the places you take your kids and they nap too. And I've also found, I don't know if you bed share, but I found bed sharing makes it so easy for travel because there's just less to pack. And even when you go places, you don't have to be asking for separate accommodations. So do you have any tips for sleep while traveling? You know, we, um, international travel is like a whole new ball game because you're like the time change, right? Like it makes things so difficult. So I think the, the biggest thing that we, try to do is be outside and we limit those opportunities for the cat naps really early. If we like, if we, if we need to get people adjusted to the time and this applies to us too, as mom and dad, right. We really try to spend those first few days, like outside, try to figure out like how we can allow for 
for a nap, but yeah, we're waking, we're, we're often like waking them up and trying to get back outside right away so that that can't speak to like the size of it, but the sunshine usually helps like keep us awake for, for the daytime and get like our body clocks adjusted. Right. So that's my, like my sleep tip. And then as far as how they sleep everywhere, I have no idea. I, I have, I, I got nothing there. The magic of the circadian rhythms. We talk about following that sun too when people are camping. So that makes sense when you're traveling the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Then airlines have this rule. Generally, I think it's like that for all the airlines, but um, under two babies can travel for free. So did you take advantage of that um, with your kids? Or I guess one was maybe born during COVID then. So that would have been a bit different, but or do you like to purchase the extra seats? So you have that extra space on the airplane. I'm, I mean, would I like to purchase an extra seat? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> would I? Would I also like to keep that like extra cash and go on another trip in you know a few weeks time? Um, yeah, we we do the lap. Uh, she, you know, and because they've been kind of you know they sleep anywhere. Like the the kids will you know both kids were really good at sleeping on us on the on the plane. It's a lot less comfortable for for me. But, but yeah, the bassinet was like at nine months, the the problem with the bassinet is that like, I think at like 10 months, most, most of them are too, they like weight out of it. So they're, they're too heavy or they're too tall or whatever. The bassinet is a lifesaver because then you can actually like eat. But when, when Dustin and I are traveling together and I have a baby on my lap, especially if she, she is asleep, um, Dustin is often like feeding me or (laughs) trying to like, he's, he's the like handler. So if I need like headphones or if I need a pen and paper, or if I need, you know, a glass of water, then he's the one that's like helping to collect all of that. But, you know, sometimes the, the, we've, I've traveled, um, much shorter durations by myself and flight attendants have always been super helpful to like warming up a bottle of milk or, um, um, you know, cleaning a, a soother for me and a little glass of hot water. Cause it fell on the ground or whatever, right? Like it was pretty, pretty good about all that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's a good point to not be afraid to ask for help too, especially yes. if you're traveling solo with kids. Yes. Yeah. I know you kind of shared this at the beginning, but how young were your kids when you started traveling with them? I guess it depends what kind of travel, but yeah. So, um, but both, I would say for a longer period of time, it would have been right around like the eight or nine month mark. So for Farah, that was her first like international flight. And then for Eleanor, um, again, like flying wasn't really something that was happening last summer for us, just out of an abundance of caution still. Um, so that's why we renovated the trailer and yeah, so that was nine weeks on the road for her and sleep in a trailer is yeah. Like it's, I would say that's camp sleep life. Like it's just a little bit later nights and sleep-ins and I don't know. Going with the flow. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So do you have any rules when it comes to traveling with the kids? Like anything you won't do? So like red-eye flights or anything like that? Not really. Like we, we do our best not to like create a situation that we know we'll regret as far as over, over scheduling. Like if we, you know, if we're trying to do too much, it's meltdowns are going to happen and then nobody's having fun, even though we like, we kind of know expect them so we really especially in the first few days try to like keep things pretty light like beach whatever um just things that like we're not super invested in but also like we can easily say you know what this isn't working let's pull shoot and uh take a break keep it quiet like we're trying not to the first time we went to the emirates uh with Farah when she was just about two years old we landed in dubai for like 
just in time for the fireworks. So this was like the New Year's Eve fireworks. It was like a bucket list item for us. We saw the fireworks and the next day we were driving to Oman to do um, some hiking and to stay in tents. And then we did that for two days. And then right after that, we went to this amazing little, like I'll call it a resort, but it's, it was called the Arabian Nights Village. It was in the middle of the empty quarters. So there's like, there's no reception. There's no like TVs. There's no anything. It's just, you're in the middle of these sand dunes. And after that, like we were all so tired and it was the first like four days of our trip. We were like, we are never doing this again. This is too much for the first few days. Everybody's like jet lagged and tired. So yeah, lots of learning from that. And now we definitely like try to keep those first few days like slower and uh, with less, less moving around. We were just saying that before hitting record, because we just went on a little weekend trip with our kids. And yeah. we were saying the pace just slows down a little bit. You just have to have lots of rooms for breaks and calm. And yes. <laughs> yeah. Just. We've also done a bit of plane travel with our little, so I know it's a little bit different for everyone, but what I would love to hear is if I just tossed out some of the things that you think about with kids with plane travel and you just let us know what you do with it. So the first one is gate checking. Do you use the gate checking for strollers or car seats or anything like that? hundred percent. So uh gate check stroller, we, that's, that's my go-to. Um, and that's just because with my girls, like sometimes they're just, they don't want to walk. A carrier is, is fine too. And, and, and we, I've, I've certainly used that on occasion, um, but the stroller ends up being like a really great place to stuff things and and like, if they, if they do want to walk, then it, you've got like this, like trolley that happens to be like super useful when you're walking around in the, at the airport. So, and we've got a really easy, like fold down, fold up stroller. So it's, you know, it's, it's been, a, it's been a lifesaver. And for car seats, honestly, for the most part, we try to figure out car seats on arrival. So um, we've had a, a a couple bad experiences with like car seat bags breaking um, in transit or um, car seats not making it to their final destination. So we just, you know, to avoid the, that kind of possibility or that scenario, we just look for, for a car rental company that, that has a, a, the car seat availability, or if we know anybody in the area, we'll try to get a car seat that way. Or frankly, like of, of many of our travels, like we're not using cars that much. Like we, we will take public transit where, it, you know, where the kids are just in their hiking packs or whatever. So that was something that like when we were in Malaysia, we probably like we brought our infant bucket seat because Farah was nine months old, but we were on public transit 99% of the time. So it was like, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, it was probably an unnecessary thing to bring it was like aside from to and from the airport. Okay. So good point. I guess. Yeah. It depends on location. Yeah. <laughs> how you're getting there, how you're getting around, but you really love the stroller for sure. And then carrier, you probably always have in tow, even for your. Yes. Carriers. Yeah. 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 Uh, lately the hiking one, again, just for the extra little bits of storage, like we have a soft carrier, but uh, yeah, the hiking carrier definitely affords a little bit more room with, with um, the extra pockets and things. So. Right. Is, is there anything you do for takeoff and landing? We have a soother. I was, um, I wasn't successful with breastfeeding. I was an exclusive pumper for both kids. Um, just physiologically it wasn't, it didn't work out for me. So, so that was one of the big things that like really stopped me from being from co like confidently being able to travel early on because there's so many different considerations when you have to think about like ice packs and, you know, when we travel to Malaysia, we had brought 
breast milk because I had some pumped and the, it was just like the, the airport security was like, not a fan of me like the and uh, and you could read all you want but like the different rules about ice packs and like gel versus not gel versus solid versus the liquid being in there like I have no idea and they took away my ice packs and they were like you can get ice from one of the vendors inside which we did which helped but like it's yeah it was not um it was not my favorite so so the soother we usually bring a bottle um, with milk or express milk. Yeah. It's hard formula. with those rules. I've even heard people say they print, they look up the rule and they print yeah. it off. And then when they're questioned about it, they hand it over to the security, but it's still probably even just frustrating to have to yeah. do that. Right. And it takes longer and all the things. So, okay. Exactly. Yeah. But you know, I think, you know, if, if we, if we ever decide to, to have more kids, then at this point, I feel you know, with one, you're like, you gain a lot of confidence with two, you gain even more. And now like, if there was any more kids in our future, which I'm, I don't know, I really don't know, but I, I think that like that, that might change. Like we did quite a bit more like road tripping while I was pumping this time around. So that was, you know, that was a learning experience and like asking for a fridge at a hotel. Like that's kind of a different thing that people is not all hotels necessarily have fridges or asking for dish soap, like to wash um, bottles at the airport. Like we, we've had to do that. So that's little things like that. You kind of learn along the way. And uh, to your point earlier, like ask for help. And usually somebody's willing, like once we asked for dish soap at a, at a restaurant at an airport and the lady was just like, just give me your bottles. I'll just go wash it. Oh <laughs> yeah. People are willing to help. Yes, exactly. What about toys on flights? Is there anything you hold off on until like a last resort or any really, like we have so many ideas that we love to share from books to no mess coloring and all the things, but is there anything you want to share? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, this, this is some, for some reason, I feel like this is, it ends up being a touchy subject because it's like the iPad or the movie conversation, which I'm not against, I'm not for, I just kind of think like, you know, in that situation, there's so many things like, you know, if you had a bad sleep the night before, you need to bust out the iPad, like whatever, like find, be prepared, find some like fun apps or, or, or like movies that are kind of, that are a little bit more, you know, engaging or, or whatever, but I don't, I don't try, I try not to say like, this is off limits because I think then it, it sets that expectation that, um, that it, it's inherently like bad. And I don't, I, I don't know that I think it is, but like, so Eleanor is not interested in like movies. She's a year and a half and like starting to, to occasionally like want to watch what her sister's watching. But um, on a plane, she was just interested in like walking around and laying in the middle of the aisle. And I, <laughs> that's usually like, we're pretty active people. We move around a lot at home. So that my toy, my toy on the plane is all the things in the backseat pocket and the aisles, because that is like where they can get um, a bunch of energy out and where, you know, they can, they can stretch their legs and have a better sleep in 20 minutes. And probably everyone seen them in the aisles just wants to talk to them and hang yes, out. Yes, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Cause they're like, they're walking between and like waving hi to everybody and 
I don't know, probably like licking the armrests, but they're <laughs> surviving. Pretty, they're surviving. We try to, we try to sanitize here and there. But. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any favorite snacks that you like to pack on the flights? Um, yeah, we like, we try to keep it interesting. Like we pack little like pill kind of containers with um, little snacks or um, like contact cases that have like the pop, pop lids. Um, so we put like, you know, a couple goldfish in there. So they have to like work a little bit to get the snack or like the Easter eggs, like the, you know, like Easter eggs you get at the dollar store for yeah. Easter egg hunts. Yeah. So we like, I've piled like random goldfish and, um, and stuff in there. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 we'd love to bring like a meal on, on our longer flights because we know that it's going to be harder and, and fruit but I know that um, we've had fruit confiscated at, at the like at borders before. So right again, the tricky rules. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've tried to keep everything in packages, even though those aren't necessarily the healthiest snacks. Just because then I feel like it's less likely to be taken away. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pouches seen- like pouches are like huge, right? Like they're yes. I, I don't know they're they're usually like fairly mess free. My kids could could um could negate that a little bit at times, but, um, pouches are, cause I don't know. I always feel like during those flights, like what I want is just like fresh fruit and vegetables because everything else is like not fresh. Yeah. So it's easy. It's easy to get like snacks and like, and, and, uh, goldfish or whatever through the airport, but it's a lot more expensive and it's a lot harder to get like a little container of strawberries. So, so the pouches really help kind of fill that void of like, even though it's not fresh, it's still kind of fruit and veggies feel less bad about the cheese crackers and everything else that they're getting. Right. Airplane (laughs) cookies. Yes. (laughs) And then I know we talked about the soft structure carrier, but for your hiking carrier, if you are going to bring it, do you bring it, do you check it or do you bring it on the flight as a carry-on? Done both. So we have, if we're not bringing the stroller as a gate check item, we'll take the hiking backpack. So when we were flying to Malaysia, from Malaysia to Thailand, um, we didn't take the stroller. We just took the hiking carrier and yeah, we just brought it we brought it right on the plane and it was like our, uh, we actually just put it in the overhead compartment. I don't know that that was supposed to happen, but certainly something you could ask like the gate agent and you might even be able to like gate check that, which I'm sure they would be fine with. Um, but most of the time, like in our most recent flight to the Emirates, it was, um, we took, we took both hiking carriers and we, um, we checked both of them as like baby items and we filled them with pouches. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because, you know, that's another thing. Like you, you learn pretty quick, like what's cheap in other countries and what's not. And pouches are never cheap. Like or they haven't been in the Emirates and in Thailand, Malaysia, like they're not necessarily as accessible as they are here or, or anywhere near as inexpensive. So, right. So loading up kind of before you go, then it's important. Yeah. So is there anything else that we missed on this must have travel item list? We have like a little travel crib that we occasionally bring and it's actually been really helpful it's super light. It like, it's something that if we, if we do take a car seat bag, like it fits in the car seat bag, or if we are taking like luggage, it fits in, in our luggage. So we don't necessarily have to include it as a baby item. And that it's like a, it's a, it's a Phil and Ted's adventurer crib or adventure a traveler crib or something. It's, but it's, it's wonderful. And it's actually been really useful in our 
um, trailer as well, because it creates a safer sleep environment for, um, for Eleanor, especially like in those early days. So Farrah was on the top bunk. She's got like a railing and, you know, she at the time was three years old and pretty, um, pretty smart. And I mean, I say that, but, um, she's pretty smart. She didn't try to like roll off or anything. And there was a railing there to stop her, but she was regularly crawling into our bed middle of the night, which is fine. Eleanor, um, we just had her in this like crib and the sides zip down. So it fit perfectly into like the bottom bunk. And if I needed to, like I could unzip the side and sleep beside her. Cause it's like a, a bigger, bigger bottom bunk that we had. So that's, that was a, a huge thing that we, that was important for road travel, less for, for air travel, but, and then, uh, like a high chair just to like that. We have like a few different traveling high chairs that we bring, um, just, just for like those, if we do need to eat out at a restaurant, or, uh, they weren't super common in, in some of the places that we were visiting. So, and sure, like we were, we're totally game for occasionally like letting the kids run around with whatever they're eating, but sometimes um, our kids anyway, they eat a little bit better when, when there's a little bit less to distract them with everything else going on. A little on. bit of entertainment. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Those are really good. And I'll actually link those up in the Phil and Ted's and then just the idea of the other one in the show. Mm-hmm. Notes so people can see the whole list of everything that we've been talking about today. If you had to think about maybe one top takeaway for what works or maybe what doesn't work for traveling with kids, what would you say? I will say something that it kind of speaks to both of those things. So what works and what doesn't work is like just managing expectations. So in our like young and childfree days, we would spend the whole day walking and exploring and, and doing, you know, all these, you know, not eating until we were absolutely starving. And this, that does not work. Like there is, there is, you know, flying by the seat of your pants works to an extent with kids, but you, like, you need to be prepared. Like you need to have snacks. You need to have like activities. You need to just be like, you need to have sun protection. Like there's, there's so many things that you have to think about when, when you're bringing kids. And so managing like what is realistic when you're traveling with kids and without kids is very different. Um, and, and just like, and having a little bit of patience and like expecting, you know, the odd meltdown and, and just working through it and, and knowing that that's kind of, it's, it's going to be part of it. This is one of the things we were chatting about the other day, Lauren, about having the kids melt down at different times. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, they're never really on the same, you know, program. One's having a meltdown and then you have a little bit of time and there's no one (laughs) <laughs> Although I have time, time to now, manage like, all the motions. <laughs> yeah. And now, like now my older, like my four-year-old fair if she coughs, then the little one, she's such a parent now, she coughs too. Like nobody's like nobody's sick, but like if one does something, the other one does the other thing. If Farah like whines about like uh, you know, like uh, something happening or whatever like where she like she falls then the Eleanor will literally roll on the ground as if she fell and start like whining in the same capacity and I'm just like (laughs) oh no how did this happen (laughs) (laughs) they're very sweet but yeah now the meltdowns well meltdowns now the like the the they're they're very in sync in, in terms of experiences let's say that Oh, they are. Okay. So have you solo traveled with both of your kids before? We recently flew to 
Disneyland, um, which the kids loved. And um, I was kind of very, you know, we try not to to fall into a lot of that kind of stuff, but the uh, it was you know a, such a heartwarming experience, I have to say. But on the way back, like I had to be back a little bit early, and um, so I flew alone with Eleanor. I can't say that. Yeah, I haven't flown with both, but I have seen a number of moms on my flights who have been traveling with more than one kid. And man, like champions for sure. We we are trying to take all the tips. AJ and I are both yeah. our second. And we yes. usually when we do travel, we end up being solo with our yeah. kids. So so we're like, maybe we have to team up and then we'll just at least have Adri and I and our four kids. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a bad exactly. idea. Like strengthen like a few numbers, it makes a little bit of a difference, right? And then like that's another thing too. Like when you have, you know, two of your older kids, like they sometimes start to entertain themselves, right? Absolutely. Yes. I remember on the flight with Turner there, um, there was this couple beside me and they were like, let us help you. We'll carry your bags. And I was like, sure, that'd be awesome. Thank yeah. you. So <laughs> getting us from the airport and they're, you know, these people, are, they're so kind and they're like helping with everything. So that was, that was really cool. But I've only ever traveled, I think, solo with Turner. So, and that's a lot. It's exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, they're not relaxing. Actually, like on our flight to the Emirates this last time, like we had, I kid you not, a six hour delay on the, fl- on the tarmac, like we weren't moving. And then we turned around and they, they told us like, we're going to try this again tomorrow. And this was like ahead of a 12 hour flight. We were like, this is by far the worst travel experience of our lives. And meanwhile, like our kids were getting off the plane in the same country. And this is like literally the exact same spot that we started six hours later, they've tried to sleep on, you know, a couple seats for, for a few hours, but it's like five in the morning. (laughs) They were not happy. Speaking of managing expectations, like yeah. just to hold up here, like we're just gonna try this again tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> wow. There was so many problems. Like I remember, like the pilot came on at one point. He's like, the tow truck that's supposed to take our, because uh, they we had frozen to the runway or something. Like, welcome to Canada, right? We had frozen to the runway, and the tow truck that um, was supposed to take us also froze to the runway. And then when that they unfroze the tow truck, the tow truck connection to the airplane was frozen together we were like we were like what is going on this story (laughs) yeah oh so the next day we came back at like you know they put us up they put they tried to put everybody up in a hotel which was like thankful uh we were very thankful because if you were local from toronto this was like halfway through our flight we couldn't go home and say like well we'll see you again later um, we were in Toronto so that we just had like a hotel. We tried to sleep for a few extra hours. And then, yeah, we were back at the airport the next day for attempt number two. <laughs> I love your levels of gratitude. <laughs> Staying positive no matter what. <laughs> yeah. I was like, we are getting there. Yeah. No matter what. <laughs> so we love to talk about how important language is here at Kids Who Explore. So I just wanted to share something you wrote. It's not a hike. It's a mission. It's not a walk. It's a quest. It's not grocery shopping. It's a scavenger hunt. Where can people find you to follow along with more of this wisdom? Where can people find me? Like on Instagram? Yeah. <laughs> on Instagram at Our Family Flies. Like that's where that's where I post, you know, 99% of my things. I have a blog. I wish I had, you know, after one kid, I was super... I was very into writing and and I still am. And that is my, like, that's my nine to five. I'm a, I work in communications and 
um, I find it hard to get back on the blog, but yeah, Instagram is my, is my bread and butter. Amazing. Thank you. And we end our show here with our three final questions. So in the last few months, what was your best purchase under a hundred dollars? So I had trouble with this question because we don't, we, we intentionally try not to buy a lot of things so that we can travel more. Um, so, but we do like to spend our money on experiences. So we recently as a family went to a little, a uh, place north of Edmonton called Jurassic Forest. And then they have like a bunch of animatronic dinosaurs that live there all summer long. And it's like a boardwalked little two, two sets of boardwalk trails that the kids just absolutely love. And there's a little playground in the middle and they get to learn about dinosaurs. So it was, that was under hundred dollars for the whole family to, to do that together. That's so great. Can you share a book, show or podcast recommendation right now? One that inspired our last trip um our like trailer trip it was uh it was called don't try this at home when families misadventures around the world and it was like i think it's a winnipeg family that sold not sold their car rented their house and they took like a family gap year which is like you know on my um on my want to do list at some point in my life but they <laughs> they um it's kind of interesting the way that they've written the book it's mom and dad's perspectives so on one side of the book, like you'll read mom's perspective. And then if you flip to the other side, to, to the halfway point, it's dad's perspective. And so it, it, it talks, it's not necessarily like a, a travel journal. It's more, it, it talks about like family dynamics and how they've um, learned to appreciate uh, different cultures and different, you know, ways of living and different ways, ways of raising children even. So it's a, it's a kind of a, an interesting story. It kind of goes back to like this idea that like travel is even before kids, it was never perfect. So, and, and that doesn't mean that it was a bad experience and, and now travel is a lot less perfect, but it's still an amazing experience. Wow. Amazing recommendation. We'll be linking that up in the show notes for sure. So if there was no time or money limit, where would you travel or explore next? I would go on a gap year. Adriana, <laughs> I'm going to gap year. I know I really, I really, I would love to go to Africa. I um, really would love to do like a safari with the kids. I think that the wonder that they see when they see an animal, when we go to the mountains is like intense. So if we, if we were in Africa seeing like lions and elephants and all the things that they think are amazing, I would like, my heart would probably melt. And I, I, the worst part is I probably wouldn't be watching the animals. I'd be watching the kids watching the animals. You know what I mean? Oh, that's so beautiful. (laughs) Yes. Amazing. Thank you so much, Margaret. Hey, no problem. Thanks for adventuring with us. Please subscribe and share your love by reviewing our podcast with five stars and follow us over at kids who explore on Instagram and all other social media platforms. This podcast is produced by KP Media Productions.